The Healthy High podcast has been designed to inform and entertain, not provide medical advice. While the show is hosted by medical professionals, you should always consult your physician when it comes to your personal health or before you start any treatments. Hey, 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 everybody. My name is Ashley Smith, and I am the host of the Healthy High podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by two co-hosts to discuss what to expect when you visit the doctor's office. So sit back, relax, and let's jump right on in. So on today's episode, guys, I have two co-hosts with me, one that you're very familiar with. Hey, Chanel. Hey. How are you today? Good. And I have a new co-host with me. Her name is Stephanie Sweeting. How are you, Sweeting? I'm wonderful. Hello, everyone. So you want to tell the people a little bit about yourself and your background, your nursing history and all that good stuff? Sure, sure. So I have been in the nursing industry for forever since I graduated from high school. From there, I transitioned from LPN to RN. Pretty much every bridge program that I could do, I did. On my journey, I went into nursing education. So I also teach entry-level nursing, which is my passion. I love it. It's so much fun. And I do inpatient as well. My specialty is maternity, uh, mother-baby. So that's pretty much what I'm doing. And it's super fun. Wait, did you say you like teaching? You like teaching in real life? Yes. Which you- <laughs> <laughs> I can't with Ashley. Ashley. <laughs> no, like, all right. Real life? So the thing is that I enjoy educating the community. Like doing this podcast is fun. But like to sit in a class with grown adults and try to get them to understand nursing it's tough. You know, we taught together for some time. And yeah. though I'm grateful for that experience, I'm not sure I would ever go back to teaching. Wow. Like, really? I would do pre- like a, being a preceptor, somebody that's already oh. finished nursing school. Mm. Like, I don't mind doing that. But to okay. actually go and teach again, yeah, I don't think I would ever do it. But look, if you like it more power to you, somebody got to do it. Yes, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about what to expect when you go to the doctor's office. I talk often about knowledge being power. And I think the more knowledge that we can feed our community, the more power that they can have to make better choices for themselves and just know what to expect when you step into the healthcare field and and the healthcare world. Because even though we talk fluently about healthcare, there's a possibility that Someone may just ask you the screening screening questionnaires, which is the physician or the provider uh, may ask you. But there are some places where you may get paperwork that you have to fill out and that may be included in the paperwork, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. pretty much. And then it is not very fluid to many other people. So I think it's important for us to talk about what people are going to be expecting when they go into a doctor's office. So initially, when you get into the doctor's office, um, the first step is usually some type of check-in, mm-hmm. right? And during this process, um, the secretary or the office manager, or whoever is at the desk, will check and verify your insurance, your name, your address. Sometimes they'll even verify what pharmacy you're using. And 
they may also give you some screen some screening questionnaires um and what the physicians are usually screening for is for depression or maybe some type of alcohol usage and every facility and doctor's office is slightly different mm -hmm. so you may or may not get these screening questionnaires um step would be most times like a, a waiting period mm -hmm. and i'm assuming depending on how busy the doctor's office will be depends on how long you wait but on average do you guys know how long someone should wait like what's what's a reasonable amount of time to wait in a waiting room i don't even know mm -hmm. what that answer is all right so like for you for your own experience being a patient what like what would be what would you say no i'm out of here like i'm waiting too long i can't even answer that because i've waited a long time for a specific provider but i absolutely loved her i didn't mind waiting i would yeah, be sitting so there for like over an hour but because yeah. you know she was amazing and i didn't want to go to anybody else so yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe... Mm -hmm. For the relationship that yeah. you have. I think, I, think, um, I think that goes a long way. The relationship that you have. Yeah, because the I, relationship to to think goes about it, a long way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, to come to think about it, as you're saying that, I have waited quite some time for someone that I really, really know I wanted to see. And, and the truth is, if the doctor's a really good doctor, there will be a lot of people waiting. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like they'll be booked mm -hmm. out. The waiting room was packed, I remember. And yeah. the, the beautiful thing about it, I think what's most important is communication. And so her staff would communicate to us. There would be signs up like, I'm sorry for the wait, but just know mm -hmm. the same amount of attention I'm going to give to you, I give to everybody. And I was like, yeah. all right, well, you know what? I mean, I do like the attention you give me, so I can't. <laughs> right, know. right, right. So, yeah. yeah so, all right. So that's, that's reasonable to say. All right. So after the waiting room, um, you'll be most likely called in by a medical assistant or a nurse. Mm -hmm. um, every facility, mm -hmm. again, is different. So it just depends on, you know, what the facility prefers. And when you're called in by the medical assistant or the nurse, um, they'll check a few things. Um, weight and height. Depending on, right. you know, what scale you're right. using or how you right. weigh yourself, stuff like that. That's actually a good point. I'd be, be in the office like, now you know you got to take off two pounds. <laughs> because I ate today. <laughs> And I got on mad clothes. That be me. I'm that girl. Like, no, I want to see it, but that's dead wrong. Take take off like two, three pounds. If you could do three, no, you, you know what I mean. Like, do not tell me. And that that usually tells us mm -hmm. your BMI. Mm -hmm. Um, and if 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 I could yeah. just interject. I would encourage everyone. I know sometimes it's like, hey, I just weighed myself at home. Um, here's my weight. I would, I would encourage you guys to go ahead and get yourself weighed at the doctor's office. What I personally do is I just turn around and I say, listen, don't tell me the weight because I don't want to get obsessive. But I think it's really great if you go on that scale and you you know that, okay, this is the scale I'm using. And so they have something that they can go by. Cause you know, we get on a scale, we may not have any clothes on, or we may have our pajamas yeah. on, whatever the case is. And it could be a little bit of a sketchy reading. So I encourage everybody, don't be scared of the scale. If you don't want to know what your weight is, just turn around or tell them, don't tell you, but at least they have that same scale that they're using. And it's not, you know, don't tell me, but please then, like, just, I'll turn know, around. Right? That's because it. like, if you're overweight, you, you need to know. So I mean, you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I understand you, 
the 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 uh the not wanting to know because it's like a, yeah. a you know a stab in your soul when you find out you've gained weight girl but it's, it's you literally need to know that yeah. as a provider i think it's important because that's my opportunity if we don't weigh you and let's say you've gained 15 to 20 pounds in in a year you know that's my opportunity to interject and have a conversation with you about the importance of weight loss or discuss why you've gained so much weight what are you doing right. what are you eating if that number is right. not there and you're giving me a number that you're getting at home, which may or may not be different. It's like, I can't, we can't start that conversation. Right. And so right. you're not going to start it because you feel uncomfortable, but it is my job, you know, as your provider to make sure you're quote unquote in the healthiest state. I can't mm -hmm. do that if I don't know what your trend is. Yeah. And, and can I say though, like the, <laughs> it's been a while since I've been to my OB doctor, my, I'm coming up on my year mm -hmm. and I, I feel like, one of the last conversations I had with her, she was telling me, like, I'm literally in the obese category, quote unquote, for my height and my weight. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be like 135 pounds. Mm -hmm. But mm. in reality, right, like, Talk to I, me. I honestly feel like these scales and these BMI Ooh. calculations, I feel like they were made for white people. Because black people, we got hips, we got curves, we got all type of things going on, and we just built differently. So I say all that to say, like, being 10 to 15 pounds off of what they're calling regular is not bad unless, I mean, just as long as you're healthy. As long as you're practicing healthy behaviors and you're not, you know, consuming a whole bunch of fatty and processed foods, I wouldn't go too crazy. Yeah, I agree. I feel like healthcare cannot be a one-size-fits-all. And I feel like specifically when it comes to weight and BMI, mm -hmm. it is a one-size-fits-all because right. at the end of the day, you make sure, if I'm going by that number, you are going to be quote-unquote obese. But if you lift weights at the gym, right. you're going to be over your baseline, you know, BMI because right, muscle right. weighs more mm -hmm. than fat. And so right. you're healthy, you're eating healthy, mm -hmm. you work out, you lift weights, you're going to weigh more. I should not be hounding yeah. you on you being obese or being overweight is mm -hmm. what I should say. Being overweight when you're 10 pounds, 15 pounds heavier, mm -hmm. strictly for muscle. So, so that that's an individualized right. approach. Exactly. Like we have to have exactly. that individualized approach. But I mean, on average, we're not talking about that person who works out. We're talking about that person who, you know, the holidays just passed and they just put on extra Correct. weight. I think it's a great guideline. But of course, you know, you take things with a grain of salt. It's a it's a guideline. You know, the doctors, providers, we we will just be like, okay, you're technically obese or you're morbidly obese. And and this is based on a guideline. So from there, at least we know what right. changes need to be made. Yeah. So yeah. it's still good, but it might not, it might not fit. Just it's like not you one said, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Get you a physician that's going to be understanding of that fact, yeah. that it's not a one-size-fits-all, and that depending on your race and your ethnicity, things may be different. slightly different. Correct. Yeah. yeah. All right. So when you're seeing the medical assistant or the nurse, she will also do vital signs. Vital signs includes your mm -hmm. blood pressure, a normal blood pressure. Correct me if I'm wrong. I've been out of school for some time. 110 <laughs> over 70. Did that change? Ooh, that's a nice blood pressure. Anything. I think, that's a normal blood pressure. A normal blood pressure is anything below. I mean, if we're going to go with textbook, anything below 120 over 80. 120 right. over 80 is not anything considered above, like, no. I mean, not that, that it's no. like crazy, but mm -mm. like. I am not. I, I, no one 
I don't want to say no one. That's an absolute response. I am not going to have a discussion with you if your blood pressure is 118 yeah. over 75 yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I can see that. But even if even if you're like 128 over 85, I mean, that comes into a zone right. of prehypertension based on how the yeah. guidelines change. So I don't know. That's, That's a, a conversation. conversation. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Your blood pressure should be below 120 over, I'm going to say 80. But according to oh. Stephanie, you know, to her point, she's absolutely right that, you know, above that is considered prehypertension or stage one hypertension. Um, and then there's stage two or, you know, a- actual hypertension. So I think above that, that's when we need to start having a discussion. And then again, remember, it's all trends. It's all trends. Same thing with right. your weight. It's like, if you were here a year ago and your blood pressure was 110 over 70, and now you're here a year right. later, and now you're 120 over 80, you got a questions, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Right. So we're looking at the averages, whatever your average, like in nursing, we call it baseline, but whatever your average is, we're going to look at that and then see if it's fluctuating up, right. down. Yeah. And go so what I failed to mention is this is an annual visit. So we're supposed to see if, and if you're in good and normal health, supposed to see mm-hmm. your primary care physician or provider once a year. Correct. Okay. So I, I failed to mention that. So I just want to, you know, bring that at back. minimum. Yes, so, yeah. At minimum, at minimum. So within the vital signs, you're doing your blood pressure, you're doing a heart rate. Heart rate should be about 70, 60, 70. Yeah. That's considered normal. I think anywhere between 70 to 80. 70 to uh, 100. I would say 90. 80 to 90, okay. Um, we should be checking respiration rate, mm-hmm. which could be anywhere between like 14, 18, depending on your mm-hmm. activity, your nervousness. All right, that stuff. correct, correct. Um. And then your temperature, yes, which which is average ninety eight point what six ninety eight point seven somewhere around the ninety eight. Yeah, ninety seven, ninety eight. Some people have run yeah. the ninety nines, mm-hmm. you know. So it it really depends on the person. Like like Stephanie said, the baseline because even with the heart rate, it's like I could say you know seventy to ninety, but if you're athletic, it might be fifty, and you may just be right. fine. Right. That's you. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that, that is true. They should also do a pulse ox, which is a little thing, a little device that they put on your finger to check how much um, your blood is being oxygenated. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Also, they may ask you at that time if there's any complaints or what it is that you're coming in for, for that visit, whether it's um, I'm just here to do my annual or something really did just come up before your year, mm-hmm. your yearly visit. Right. Um, this will be the first time that you verbalize any complaints or what you're being seen for. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they also ask you at this time, if you want any flu shots, it is flu season. Usually we give flu shots between mm-hmm. September and April. And, um, the provider at that time should be asking you if you have any allergies to eggs or if you ever have any serious reactions to, um, previous flu vaccinations. So I'll mention that. If it's your first time receiving a flu vaccine, they may ask you to hang out for like around 15, 20 minutes just to make sure you don't have, you know, any side effects. Usually if someone faints or something like that, that's yeah. significant. Right. So that's the So when we're talking about um, serious reactions, we're not talking about flu symptoms because that is sometimes expected in some individuals. I've had flu shots mm-hmm. and I didn't feel so great. We're talking about Closing of the throat, you're not able to breathe, mm-hmm. really bad rashes, losing consciousness. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. losing consciousness, that's more closer to like what we call an anaphylactic reaction. And that is mm-hmm. severe and needs some right. attention. Yeah. A severe allergy. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So after we're done with the medical assistant or the nurse, you'll most likely go back to the waiting room for a little bit of time. And then you'll be called in to see your provider. So I say provider because your provider can be one of three people. It could be an actual physician, be a family nurse practitioner, it can be a physician's assistant. So now we don't really say doctor that much. We like to say provider. Depending Mm -hmm. on who you're going to see, call them by your provider. So initially when you're called in by your provider, they need to verify you. So there's plenty of ways to verify a person. Um, whether it's actually asking for your name and your date of birth or um, Chanel, you see people all the yeah. time. What's your technique? I think I just greeting people by their name, you know, so definitely finding mm-hmm. out like, hi, what was you? I can either come in and say, hi, how are you? Um, how do you say your name? That's a good trick that I do. I act like I don't know how to yeah. s- pronounce your name and I say, how do you say your name? Oh, right. Like, yeah. You what would you like me That's to call a good you? One. Verify them that way. You know what that does? I, that that I, does something mm-hmm. to um maybe communication and comfortability as opposed to me coming in and say all right mm-hmm. what's your name and what's your yeah, name it it's so like conversation yeah, yeah. And so that's why people like to see nurse practitioners more than they like to see doctors because i think in their mind it's just like you know kind of book out of them not everybody but i think we have a little different way to kind of finesse things than than physicians in yeah. my opinion i could be biased i'm a nurse but whatever <laughs> You're being very biased. <laughs> You're being very biased. But it is it's something very, very artful about the, you know, nurses. I have a few doctors that are really I think what it boils down to is people skills. A few? You know what? You said a few. I, I, know, I, that. Know, <laughs> I know some really nice doctors who, you know, have great people skills. I call it people skills. You know, they're very good at interacting with right. people. You know, they're, they're very good at um, making things personable and getting an interaction. Some people are good at being, you know, people's people. And some people are not. Because there's definitely nurses in our profession who are not people's people. So, I mean, we <laughs> cannot just know the entire medical doctor profession and be like, nope, you guys are just like, no. Mm-mm. No, I mean, but there is we gotta, I I mean I have got to admit, and I've heard from people, there is just something different about the way a nurse practitioner mm-hmm. um, does things. There, there, it is. People, I, research I has shown that people feel more comfortable seeing nurse practitioners because we just show more empathy. Because we've had years and years of experience. You're correct. Mm-hmm. We've had years of years yeah. of experience. Right. I think it's that yeah, advocate bedside. Yeah. We yeah. have a different finesse. I think that's really what it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. I can agree All with right. that. Yeah. So once the physician comes in and verify you, how whatever that looks like, I mean, sorry, the provider. Once they come in and verify you, however that looks like for them, they should continue on to have discussions about any complaints or any changes since your last visit a year right, ago. Right, right. Um, this is your opportunity to let her rip, okay? Yeah. Don't forget to, to, to say every single complaint that you've been having over the last year. Really and truly, mm-hmm. you should try to jot down yes, things that's before good you get there. Yes. 
Yeah, because when you get there and you're talking and things are moving and this one's telling you to do this and the doctor's coming in and you're a little nervous and you can't forget it. Like, if you can, when you have a moment before you get to the doctor's office, write everything down because you don't want to forget to say anything. Um, and you just don't want to be nervous. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and not say it. So you want to get that stuff together beforehand. Once you um, give the doctor some of your complaints, um, they want to do what we call in healthcare a physical assessment or a head-to-toe assessment. So um, what goes on during this head-to-toe assessment? Well, you know, ladies? before we even go, there's a couple of things that might happen before we even get there. Um, okay. such as like, um, reviewing of medications. If you're on medications, what are you taking? What are you not taking? Yeah. Um, you know, That's under changes, it goes with like, have you been to urgent care? Have you been hospitalized? Have you seen anybody else? Like we're really doing an investigation mm-hmm. of whether things have changed since the last time we saw you. Um, we, um, review like screening exams. So like the, um, depression screening exam, you may get at the beginning to fill out as far as paperwork. So we'll go over, if you fill it out before you get in, we'll go over those things. Like, you know, I see that you circled, but you're not sleeping as well. You're not eating as well. Tell me more about that. What's going on? Um, we may mm-hmm. review the case questions. How much are you drinking? Cause you may feel like, you know, you want to, you're drinking too much, um, because you don't know what the recommended you know, drinking amount is. So that's when we start, at, you know, getting into mm-hmm. those screening exams and like pretty much asking, okay, well, how much are you drinking? You know, how often are you And drinking? that's so true. That's so relevant. Like a little bit off, off topic, but on topic. So I uh, was called by an agency to go in and do an assessment on um, a patient at her home. Mm-hmm. They didn't give me any history, right? So I'm there and I'm talking to this lady. She got oxygen on. As she's talking to me, she can't really breathe that much. So I'm there and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, so what's going on with you? Why am I here? You know, She's like, well, she's telling me all these his all this history, and I'm like, okay, so you have on oxygen? Any all the history had nothing to do with her lungs, okay? <laughs> um, so mm. you have you have on oxygen, so like you know you wanted to, oh yeah, I have a little COPD and what I'm like, oh okay, and then here comes the son. Oh, I'm not sure if she told you that she has um pulmonary hypertension which is high blood pressure and it starts to affect your lungs. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's why I'm here. But the thing is like, sometimes as a provider, if you're not specific about questions, people won't tell you anything. So just asking like, is there any changes since last visit? Sometimes is not enough. But again, as as patients, you have to be responsible too. So we have a responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure we pry and ask the proper questions. But at the same time, you all have a responsibility to make sure you're not leaving anything out. Like we shouldn't have to be dig. I feel like I was digging for life. I'm like, <laughs> like what am I here for? Anything you're telling me sounds perfectly fine, except the fact that you can't breathe and you got oxygen on at 10 liters. That's wow. the first right. thing yeah. in my wow. mind <laughs> that you tell me. Like I had no the the agency didn't give me any like history on the patient. I just went in blind. I'm like, this is yeah. crazy. So it is good that you kind of brought that up. Like providers do sometimes. We really, really have to be a little bit more specific to pull information. Yeah, yeah. And I think if people change the perception of the visit, right? So if you think of 
me or your provider as a partner in your health care, then right. like you may be more obligated to share information. But then, you know, that comes along with comfortability. Are you comfortable with me? Am I making you comfortable? Do you feel like you can open up and communicate? But the provider should really be seen as a partner in your health care. Because I can't do, yeah. I can only do so much. I can do the best I can. But if you don't divulge information to me, I'll never know that, you know, you have chest pain. Because I'm going to ask you, if you have any chest pain, you're going to say, oh, no. But meanwhile, if you go up a flight of stairs at work, you feel like your chest is getting tight. Right. If you don't tell me that, I'll right. never know. Yeah. And, and to that point, depending on what you tell us, yes, we are doing a physical assessment. Right. We are checking you from head to toe. But we hone in on checking and assessing certain parts of your body when you tell us about the issues that you may be experiencing. So it's, it is very, very important to make sure you are reporting any changes and, um, you know, anything that seems or feels different. And even if it ends up being absolutely nothing, at least, you know, you give us an opportunity to make sure. You know I, mean, I mean, before the physical assessment even gets here, there we do what we call in um, healthcare a review of systems. So I'm going to ask you, do you have mm-hmm. any headaches? Do you feel dizzy? Do you have any blurred vision? Do you have difficulty smelling? Do you have difficulty eating? Like, I'm going to go through a list of things to ask, but I, that's not going to touch on every... It's impossible to touch on every right. possible issue for every possible organ in the body. I'm going through yeah. the big the big things do you have any chest pain do you feel short mm-hmm. of breath can you swallow do you have any heartburn you you know what i mean so it's very important for you to not only have that list that you said but to think of the visit as a partnership because you need to we need to be able to have conversations about that so like after the review of symptoms and i ask all these questions and let's just say you say no everything is fine then we go into what we call a quote-unquote head and toe, head to toe assessment so that assessment may yeah. look different depending on which provider you see, but know that it's getting done because we're not going to be able to um, specifically go through each point and tell you exactly what we're doing at each step, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So for instance, as as I come in and I greet you, I'm already assessing how well you're able to communicate. If you can hear me, you know, are your eyes tracking me? Are you engaged? I can do all that with a simple hello. You right, know what I mean? And, right. and you're not going to know that I'm doing that because we're having a conversation, but I'm literally multitasking in my head while I'm having a conversation with you. Yeah. Right, right. Another thing uh, providers are looking for is how you present yes. yourself. So are you uh, well-dressed? Are you dressed appropriately yes. for the season? Mm-hmm. Um, are you groomed? And so those things really do matter. You know, it, we take into account what might be going on because sometimes patients who have depression mm-hmm. or something like that, they mm-hmm. may be not as kept as expected. So that could be something that we write in our note that maybe this is just you, 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 you have the grunge look, <laughs> you know, it could be that, Yeah. but you know, we're, we're looking and we're assessing. So take that into consideration too. You know, when you come to the doctor's office, you don't want to give off a wrong impression, you know, um, cause we'll take that yeah. into consideration. Yeah. Right. So when the physical, so a physical assessment is done in, in an array of ways, I think all together, yeah. 
is yeah. what we're saying. Some is visual for us. Some is actually putting our hands on you, listening to yeah. heart sounds mm-hmm. and lung sounds. And mm-hmm. some is some is just communicating with you. So we pull all of that stuff together. And uh, once we do all of that, we got to sit with you and discuss what our findings were and, and what to mm-hmm. expect next. Yes. And, and um, we also may talk about um, any questions that you may have. And we also may have some more screening questions, um, depending on your family history, your age, Correct. your lifestyle, yeah. your diet. Yeah. Um, and that might get asked, when we that discuss- might get asked um, not to cut you off, but that might get asked uh, at the beginning of the visit as well. Like that can get asked at any time during the visit, but you should expect right. it. They're going to act or they should ask, you know, have you been to the dentist? Have you had a vision exam recently? You know, if you're of age, have you had your mammal? When was the last time you, you know, been to the GYN? If it's a mm-hmm. time for colon cancer screening, did you get your colonoscopy? Family history, you know, past medical history. Have you had any surgery? And also, also we need to be asking, or we would ask, are you doing a breast exam? Men, are you doing Correct. testicular exams? And right. these are things that have to be done from when a, uh, uh, you know, a male is in their teens. So I don't know how serious, you know, certain patients are taking it. So we have to ask those questions. So guys, you need to expect that, you know. And men, when you go and you see, this is going back to um, any complaints. Listen, don't be afraid to tell us about your libido, okay? Men are afraid to discuss their libido. You need to tell us about your libido. And it may, we may also ask about sexual orientation. So don't be shocked because of the way the world is changing and people are, you know, there's LGB, LGBTQ. There's, there's a whole lot of list of, you know, that's, that's LGB. Forgive us, forgive us. I think it's LGBTQ. LGBTQ. Yeah, yeah. LGBTQ. Yes, forgive us, forgive us, sorry. But yes, so because of that, there's many different sexual orientations and there's no judgment. You know, as healthcare providers, we are not judging, but we need to know because there's a, there's a, there may be a host of different issues that may come along with that. So we just want to make sure in that aspect that you're well and you're healthy. So Please let us know your sexual orientation if we ask, and don't be offended if we ask. Which is just part of our job in maintaining your health. And men, tell us about yeah. your libido. Yeah, you know, I think you know you really have to be. It's really important. Like everyone should be asking it, but it's such a a touchy area to discuss. Like people are afraid to discuss their sexual activity. You know, sometimes providers are uncomfortable asking about it. But it's like, no, I like what you said. Like we're not here to judge you. We're literally here to make sure that you're. Your health is in the best possible shape it could be. And if if you are sexually active with whoever it is that you choose to be sexually active with, you feel comfortable to speak to your provider about that. Right. Let me let me let you guys know, just as a side note, um, there in in my personal experience, just from kind of keeping my ear open, there are a lot of um, pills being passed around like Viagra like Cialis that, you know, young men are trying to get and, and paying for it. So there's some issues with, you know, um, 
ED, erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. There's some issues with libido. So you want to go to your doctor. You want to go to your provider and talk about these things and not just buy these pills and try all these things because it's it's really happening. But let me tell you though, side, side, side note, if you a young man and you having those issues, maybe stop eating fatty processed foods and it won't clog up all your arteries <laughs> that lead to your penis yeah. to make it legit, legit, legit. You don't have these problems. There's no reason why people so young should be having these problems. Change your diet and and we good. Stop shoving pills down your throat. I'm just saying side note. And that may not be the problem, but look, in younger men, most likely that's oh my, the don't, oh my god all you have to I do cannot, is change your diet listen the important takeaway is side note side <laughs> side note the important takeaway is let your provider know okay because like you said it could be you know artery a uh, uh, vessel clogage it could be hormonal yes. issues that you have it could be any mm-hmm. anything else going on behind the surface of the skin that you're not even thinking about and here you are just taking Cialis or Viagra to fix the, the right. immediate, you know, immediate need when it could be something bigger going on. And, and taking English. those pills when you have blockages and narrowing, it can make your situation worse. Yeah. So don't be, be afraid. careful. Talk to a doctor. Don't buy these things off the street, guys, or get them off the street. Please get a prescription. Let your doctor see you and make sure you're good before yeah. you take these things. Yeah. Go to the urologist, yeah. guys. Please. Yes. All right. So after we discussed the findings, I was mentioning that we're going to talk about what's next. So what's next may be blood work, uh, maybe a follow-up visit, maybe a referral to a specialist. It may be... Um, discussions about a treatment plan or some new goals, whether you came in with, um, you know, a high BMI, maybe talking about it. That's our opportunity to educate you all on everything that we found and what's going to be happening once you leave the doctor's office. And if everything is normal, it'll be, hey, everything looks good. Yeah, continue to great work, continue to exercise, continue to da-da-da-da-da-da, yeah. I'll let you yeah, know if right. you're coming so, up on screening exams, you know, if you're 38, I'm like, okay, just so you know, when you hit 40, this is when, you know, I'll tell you, like, we'll have the discussion of what you should expect, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That that makes total sense. So that is basically a summary of your annual uh, mm-hmm. examination at the doctor's office. Is there anything that any of you ladies want to add? Anything we left out? Hmm. Oh, you know what? I do want to mention, you know, um, with things that's happening with healthcare or lack of insurance, um, we're finding a lot more patients going to just urgent cares or kind of like these, you know, free clinics and stuff like that. What I would encourage is to stick to whatever clinic you're going to that is able to accommodate you because, you know, once you start jumping all around, what's going to happen is the doctors or the providers won't have that communication that they would normally have because it becomes just, you know, a record of you going here or a record of you hopping over there. So I would say try to, you know, Stay at one facility if you can. I know it's a lot of different circumstances that happens, but you really, or really record keep. You want to just have great record keeping so yeah. that you can pass information. Yeah. 
So that's something important to know. That is good. For, for healthcare providers, it's called continuity of care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that um, it's just continuous. Like you're seeing the same person as much as possible. And if you're not seeing the same person, like Stephanie said, at least the next person knows what the last person seen so that we can detect yeah. any changes um, quickly and, and try to implement new changes to prevent further deterioration. Yeah. So it, it's all about making sure that you guys are staying yeah, healthy. Yeah. And you definitely want to be engaged, yeah. you know, now that you brought that up, you definitely want to be engaged to where you know, you know, specific things, like either whether it's your lab work, because we reviewed your lab work, like you know what your mm-hmm. cholesterol numbers are. You know, especially, right. especially for us, because we're, you know, the the one of the number one uh, uh, African-American community for heart disease, you know, we're for diabetes yeah. so especially if it runs in your family you have high blood pressure in your family high cholesterol yep. in your family you know diabetes in your family you should know what your a1c mm-hmm. is you should know what your blood pressure is you should yeah. know what your cholesterol is so let's not be a passive patient yeah. people yeah, no yeah. patients you really yeah. have to speak up for yourself yeah. yeah. Make yeah. sure whatever blood work your doctor is doing, they review it with you. And if they don't call you, that most likely means that it's normal. But it's nothing wrong with calling and finding out. And being responsible. Again, a lot of places now are giving you access to your chart. And you don't even have to go on a computer. On your phone, like yes. You go yes. on a couple of mm-hmm. days later, you get notification that last yep. came back. You can go on, you can check, you can say, okay, this is high, this is low, whatever, this is abnormal. I'm not really sure what this is about. Yes. Let me call my doctor yes. and say, hey, I got my lab results back and my hemoglobin A1C is eight. Yes. What does that yes. mean? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Get that so be, be mm-hmm. responsible. Like I always encourage us to be responsible for our care. While there's a, while there's a lot of disparities going on, with us, we also have to be accountable Absolutely. for our care. Absolutely. Exactly. All right, guys, this is all the time we have. Thank you, ladies, for joining me. I hope to see you guys on future episodes. And remember, yeah. everybody, your health is most definitely your wealth. Peace.